Well, turn in your Bible tonight to the book of Revelation. Revelation. I wrote the wrong scripture down. I don't know why I did that. Revelation 12. Revelation chapter 12. It's like one pastor said that he got off in the book of Revelation and waded out. He said he waded out so far he'd about drowned the whole congregation. Well, we're not going to do that tonight, but we're going to um, share from Revelation chapter 12. And look in verse 11. Well, let's go to verse 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accuse them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Father, we thank you that in your word is life itself. And Lord, we just thank you for touching every person. Lord, we purpose in our heart to not be hearers only, but be doers of the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Notice here, the Bible says in verse 11, and they overcame him. Now, who is the him? The him is talking about the enemy. Yeah, the, the one under my feet, Satan. We overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives unto the death. So I want to share tonight about how to overcome the enemy. How to overcome the enemy. Well, you know, sometimes people will say, well, I thought the enemy was defeated. Well, he is, but sometimes he doesn't realize that. Sometimes you have to remind him of his eternal defeat. What we have to do is learn how to enforce that defeat and enforce the victory that Jesus purchased for us. Hallelujah. So I want you to say this with me. Say, the devil is a defeated foe. Jesus is the victor. And his victory is my victory. See, that's what we talked about a couple weeks ago. We talked about Jesus being our substitute. He didn't need to do it for himself. How many know Jesus didn't need to pay for his own sins? It was all in substitute for you and I. And so we had to learn how to take, take that and, and appropriate it to our life. See, that's the thing. A, a lot of things, believers think that things are just going to fall on them. Well, you know, if God wants me to have it, then I'll have it. And you'll go without well, you know, if God wants me to be blessed, then I'll, I'll be blessed. You'll be broke. Well, you know, if God wants me healed, if God just, you know, I'm just waiting on God. And the only thing you'll, you'll have is hard times. But you have to appropriate it. What does that mean? You know, think about it like this. The most important decision in life demands a response. To accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. There's a lot of people 
that are they're trusting in their good works. There's a lot of people think, well, you know, I mean, how many times do you, when you're soul winning and you talk to people and they say, there was one person, I think Liam was, was there, and, and they said, well, you know, I, 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 um, I take care of four-legged um, creatures and four-legged cats. I'm thinking, what about the two-legged ones? Do you take care of them too? But, but that's people's response. I mean, that's how, how ridiculous that is. But see, that's what people, people are trusting in those things. And so people think in the most important things, how much more do they think in, in other things, even believers? Well, you know, I'm just waiting on the Lord. It's like Brother Hagin said, and he was praying one time, and the Lord asked him something. He said, when are you going to do what I told you to do? He said, Lord, I've been waiting on you. He said, no, you haven't. I've been waiting on you for 10 years. Well, how many know the Lord can pull the rug right out from under your feet? <laughs> Just when you think you're, you know, you're all that, but he has a way of bringing you into reality. And so he said, no, I've, I've been waiting on you for 10 years. And so we have to make a decision. And so talking about uh, overcoming the enemy, Look there in Revelation. Notice he says, number one, he says, by the blood of the Lamb. So how do we overcome the enemy? Number one, by the blood of the Lamb. By the blood of the Lamb. You know, the devil's afraid of the blood. You know, I mentioned this uh, one of the last services, but th there was this one conference in this or this guy, he was trying to teach people about church growth. You know, everyone that teaches about church growth, the first thing you want to ask is, do you have a church yourself? <laughs> have you ever, yeah, you know. It's kind of like teaching on, I don't know. Well, there's any number of things, you know. It's like teaching about kids and, and people that don't have any. Sure, you can learn and you can know things, but, you know, people that, or, or 20, and they want to tell you how to invest their, your money, you know, to a millionaire. And they're making like $18 an hour. Amen. <laughs> and so, the Bible tells us, though, the blood of the Lamb is how we overcome um, Satan and all his devices. And so, the blood is actually our victory. But what this, this um, I'll get back to my story. They said, this ex, so-called expert said, first of all, just take everything out about the blood. You know, the blood is gory, and people don't like blood, you know. And, but no, the blood is actually our victory. Yeah. The blood of Jesus. I mean, think about all the hymns and, and all the songs, the old songs about the blood. Yeah. Thank God for the blood. Amen. The blood-stained banner. And so the blood actually purchased our freedom. I want you to look over in Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. If you want to get a good study on this, just read the book of Hebrews. It talks a lot about how Jesus and his sacrifice paid the, the price for us as the eternal Lamb of God. Hebrews 9 verse 11. We're going to read several scriptures here. But Christ becoming a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. 
neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, I just love those words, how much more, (laughs) shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So why is it that I can have a clean, clean heart and a clean conscience? It's because of the blood of Christ. What's the best cleansing agent in the world? It's not Dawn. It's not OxyClean. It's the blood of Jesus. And for this cause, he's the mediator of the New Testament that meant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament. They which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. You leave a will, it's after you die, right? Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. So we see the blood being applied even in the Old Covenant. That's what all these sacrifices were. And almost all things are by the law. Look at verse 22. Purged with blood, and without shedding of blood, there is no remission. Without the shedding of blood is no remission. What does that mean? What is the remission of sins? The word... Actually, there's three different words we see, uh, three different, actually, um, meaning, meaning three different th- things. We have the word atonement, we have the word remission, and we have the word forgiveness. Atonement was a word we see in the Old Covenant where it was a covering. And that's what, their sins were covered. You know, we've, we've sung a lot of songs before, my, my sins are covered. Well, actually, my sins are not covered, they're washed away. And, and so uh, the word remission means a, a wiping away. But what happens after you sin? What does the believer need? He needs forgiveness. Because you're not going to be born again again. I mean, I know when I was first born again, you feel like, oh, my, oh my goodness, I, I missed it. I, Lord, I receive you. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. You, know, you, you feel like that again. But the, what the believer needs is 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if I'm cleansed from all unrighteous, that means I'm righteous once again. That means I can stand up, I can pray, I can lift up my head, I can minister to other people as though sin never existed in my life. Now, I, I don't presume upon the, the mercy of God. The Bible talks about in um, the book of Jude about 
men creep that crept in unawares, and they had this condemnation that they had. Um, let me read that real quick, because you'll get something. The book of Jude. Okay, Jude verse 4, it's only one chapter, but he says this, There are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So we don't want to presume upon the mercy of God. Well, you know, you know, if I, I'll just go in sin and I'll just first John 1, 9 it. You know, that's a bad place spiritually to be in. Well, I'm just going to go and sin and God will forgive me. You don't want to do that. Why? Because what happens is you harden your heart. You callous your heart to where, what, what's the stopping point? Lord, I'm going to go over here to First National Bank. And um, Lord, help me. I'll, I'll, I'll tithe off, the, off the, the money. And then you're going to go you know, stick them up. You know, you go in there and say, you know, you don't say, hey, lift your hands to, to, to Jesus. You say, lift your hands, and you say, stick them up. Well, see, where does it stop? So you, you always want to keep a tender conscience. And the blood is what restores our conscience, even if there's been things that have been in your life that, that you know, well, I've just done too much. No, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Amen. Hallelujah. Then look over in, in chapter 10, if you're still there in Hebrews. So we're talking about how to overcome the enemy. Number one, by the blood of the Lamb. Hebrews 10, verse 17 says this, And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, this is one of my favorite verses, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God. See, we have a high priest now. Now, he's not, you know, dressed here. We don't have a high priest in the flesh that, that walks around and he's got a long garment and bells. And, but Jesus is our high priest at the right hand of the Father. He says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. What, what sprinkles that conscience? It's the blood. And our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise." So notice he says, let us hold fast the profession, or another word for that is confession. The confession of our faith without wavering. But you're not going to do that if you have condemnation. Why? Because the enemy will come right to you and say, who do you think you are? You have no right to say that. Who are you? You know what you did last night. You know what you did last week. And so that's why you have to renew your mind with what the Word of God says. No, I've repented. No, I'm washed in the blood. No, I'm forgiven. And those things can't bother me anymore. 
Amen. You know, the devil will say, you know, I remember what you did 40 years ago. I mean, before you're even born. It's like the Pharisees came and said, Jesus, John chapter 9, Jesus, who did sin? This man or his parents? That he was born blind. It's like, boy, he started in the womb. He started sinning a long time. See, that's, that's the way mixed up religion is. Jesus said, neither one, but the works of God are going to be made manifest. And he healed him. Hallelujah. So notice he says here, uh, hold fast to profession of our faith. I want you to skip down a little bit further. Look in verse 29 of Hebrews 10. Of how much sore punishment suppose you shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. You know, the Bible says you can vex the Holy Ghost, you can grieve the Holy Ghost, and you can do despite unto the Holy Ghost. And so, what I want you to see here, now this, this little, these few verses here, um, verse 26 through 29, he's talking about the sin unto death, what we would call the unpardonable sin. And there's, there's actually five different things, and we're not going to go into that tonight, but there's, there's actually five different things that would cause you to be a person to commit that sin. And let me say this, it's not a baby Christian. Is someone who's fully grown, who's even had the gifts of the Spirit manifesting in their, in their life, the powers of the world to come, the, the book of Hebrews says. But I want you to notice what it's about. It's about counting the blood just an insignificant thing. But see, the blood, the blood is what purchased our, our redemption. Amen. So that's what's given us the remission of sin and also the forgiveness of sin. So number one is the blood of the lamb. Number two, how do I overcome the enemy? The word of our testimony. The word of our testimony. Do you know that you have a testimony? Amen. And you need to tell it. If you're not, if you're not telling it to somebody else, tell it to yourself at least on a regular basis. Amen. But see, you testify... Of what you know, what you've seen. You know, it's like when you go in the, um, in the court. What, the people that testify, what are they? They're a witness. They want somebody that's, you know, and, um, that's been a part. And, you know, of course, there's, there's things that can, you know, disqualify people from standing in that place. Thankfully, I've only been... I've only been invited, I don't know if I invited, commanded. You really don't get asked, you know. You just say, uh, you will show up at court for these dates for jury duty. And thankfully, I, I was able to get out of it. But uh, <laughs> it's not the way you really want to spend your days. Amen. But see, how do we overcome the enemy? By the word of our testimony. We testify to who God is. I testify to who? I like what Miss Lynette Hagan said. She said, um, 
at Rainbow Bible Church, she said that she has a file in her office of testimonies. And so of what God's done. And not just other people, but her own life. And, and she looks at those. And, and she'll go back and look at it and like, the Lord did this. The Lord did that. Uh, there's a, um, a minister, he says that on his desk, he has a, a placard that says one word, always. You know, the Bible says he always causes us to triumph. Second uh, Corinthians 2.14. Now, thanks be to God, which always causes us to triumph. So, some, you know, when the, like he said, he said, when the devil gets to mess with me, I just turn tell him, look at that. Always. Always. You know, a lot of people want some real long word from God. Here's a word for you tonight. Always. He always causes me to triumph. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So the word of your testimony is how you overcome the enemy. So that can be you confessing the word. That can be you, you know, reminding the enemy of what God's done. And just and reminding the Lord and reminding yourself more than anybody. No, this is what God did. He did this before. He'll do it again. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So we overcome the enemy that way. What does the enemy want us to do when, when we're attacked? When he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants us to be quiet. <laughs> do you remember what happened with, with um, the... The prophet Isaiah spoke about Jesus and said this, that he would not open his mouth. And talking about in judgment and different things. And we see Jesus when he was, he was um, being crucified, that they came to him and he, he didn't open his mouth. And they were said, they said, aren't you going to you know, say something? And they said, hey, then Pilate said, don't you know I have power? He said, you have no power except what my father's given. <laughs> and, of course, he got nervous real quick then after that. <clears throat> but do you remember that there was a time when Paul, people say, well, we're going to be just like Jesus. Well, there are things we're supposed to be like Jesus as our example, but there's some things he did as our substitute. Jesus died on the cross. I don't have to go down the cross. But there's things that he did. He pleased the Father. He listened to the Father. He walked and, and, and he said, I'll always do those things that are pleasing to sight. So we're supposed to walk like he did. But there are some things that he did as our substitute. But remember, Paul, he was going along one day and they, they beat him. He got many beatings. And... Um, Anyway, there was one time they came to him and they were about to, to strap him to the post. And they said, um, Paul spoke up though. Hey, is it right for you to beat somebody being a Roman and uncondemned? Now see, if you were not a Roman citizen, you were nothing. But here he was. He says, is it right for you to beat me being a Roman? And what did he say? He came up real quick. Uh, 
Mr. Paul, we're sorry about this. Uh, boy, there, there was a really a mistake here. Um, hey, don't tell the head captain about this. And they said, you know, they want to just privately lead them out. And he said, hey, no, you know, you're not going to do this secretly. You know, we were brought out here in the open. But what happened is this. He opened his mouth. Well, you know, I'm going to be like Jesus and keep my mouth shut. No, he kept his mouth shut so we could open our mouth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when, when the enemy comes at you, you don't just say, Mr. Devil, you know. Who would ever call the devil a mister anyway? Anyway. But see, that's what you have to do. What is that? That's the word of your testimony. Hallelujah. You know, the, the Bible says that the apostles, uh, the 12 apostles, what we call the apostles of the Lamb, the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world, they were eyewitnesses of the majesty of Jesus and of the ministry of Jesus. And do you know what, when, when Judas was replaced, what the qualification was? Was that they were eyewitnesses of, of the ministry of Jesus. What is that? That's someone that's seen the goodness of God, seen the glory of God, and as a witness. Someone that could testify. Oh, yeah, I've seen his ministry. Yeah, I've seen. And they chose um, Matthias to, to take his place. So we testify of what he's done, and we tell of what he's done. Hallelujah. And I want you to look over and in, in, um, turn over to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. I almost could have used this one as the first one because it's so important, but the, the way we did it worked good with our text. So we said that the blood is number one, the word of our testimony. And then number three is this, it is written. Everyone say, it is written. Amen. Notice what the Bible says here in Matthew 4, verse 4. Well, go back to verse um, 3. And when the tempter came, this is after Jesus had fasted 40 days and nights. It is written, man shall not live. What well, he says, when the tempter came unto him, he said, if you be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, it is written. So the way that, that Jesus overcame the devil is the same way we overcome the devil. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So how many know, if you're going to say what is written, then what, you're going to need to know what's written. You're going to need to know what's in the Bible. You're going to need the old need to know the Old Testament. You're going to need to know the New Testament. You're going to need to know what Jesus said in his ministry. You know, it's kind of like the seven sons of Sceva. How many know they didn't have a revelation of who Jesus really was? What did they do? Here they are, these people that were exorcists. They said they called on the name of Jesus saying, 
we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. What does that mean? That'd be like saying, the, the, uh, the God that Lionel serves. But, you know, I don't serve him, but he serves him. And, and by, that, by that God, by that unknown God. But he, you know what he said? We adjure you, we charge you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And it said, the spirit spoke up and said, Jesus, I know. Now, this is the devil speaking through them. I don't know if it came out in a growl or what it came out, what it sounded like. Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know. But who are you? You know, the devil doesn't know everybody. Are you known in hell? Let me ask you that. Are you known in hell? I feel like I'm getting to be more known in hell. And I tell you, the things, I mean, I don't, I'm not glorifying the devil, but the things that, that, that have come against me in the last few years, I think my name is known in hell a little bit more. And we're, we're going to make him, we're going to make our name, he, he's going to rue the day that, that he come against the river church. Amen. We're going to be his worst nightmare. Amen. I mean, he caused me pain all the years of my life. You know what? Sorry, I, I'm going to... Anybody ever seen Rocky Three? Okay. Rocky Three is Mr. T. And he says, his name was Clubber Lang. And so here he is. He says, Clubber, he says, what's going to happen? He said, what do you predict? He says, what do I predict? He just looks up. Pain. <laughs> so, what do I predict for the devil? Pain. I predict pain for the devil. Why? Because for too long, he's stolen from people. And I just figure that the first 18 years of my life, I'm so thankful the mercy of God protected me when I wasn't saved. And now I'm going to make it my lifelong mission. Yeah, you know, you know what the Bible said about Paul? They called him a pestilent fellow. Yeah. Jesse DePlantis had a message said, how to be a godly pest. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Lord. That's going to be my mission, though. Cause the devil trouble. Amen. Cause him trouble. You know, he, that's, that's his nature. He always wants to, to mess with people. Why don't we turn that around the other way? How do we do that? Go out and tell someone the truth. That's a direct assault on the kingdom of darkness. Thank you, Lord. Soul winning, preaching the gospel. Thank you, Lord. Notice he says, he says, if you be the son of God, cast, he, he takes him up on the top of this temple. He said, if you be the son of God, cast yourself down. Notice Jesus didn't just have a temper tantrum. He says, I am too the son of God. What do you think? I, I, didn't you see when I was there in heaven? 
He, he didn't even get into it. He just said, and notice this. And he said unto him, if you be the son of God, cast yourself down, for it is written. Now the devil is quoting scripture. For it is written. It's like Brother Hagin said one time, I only heard him say this one time. He said, he said, can the devil quote scripture? He said, yeah, let's listen to Christian radio. But he says, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands, they shall bear thee up. Lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. But what's the enemy doing? He's misappropriating the scripture. For one thing, look, he says at any time. Well, it's not just at any time. You don't just provoke the Lord, that's what he says here. It is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And the devil takes him up in an exceeding high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said unto, them, unto him, all these things I'm going to give to you if you fall down and worship me. Now, some people say, well, you know, that... That wasn't true. You know, the devil was just lying because we know that he is a liar. But yeah, if it, if, if it wasn't a temptation, then, then we would have known that. It was a bona fide temptation. So who, who gave that to him? Adam. Adam gave that to him. That's why the Bible calls Satan the God of this world. See, that's why, if you can understand, that's why we say, Miss Gail brought this out um, one night, I think um, Friday night or Wednesday night, about God is not in control. See, if people don't understand the, the background why we say that, then they think, well, of course God's in control. He's, he's almighty. But here's the thing. In the world, Satan is the God of this world. What's that? 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Satan is the God of this world. And so God has to have a legal right to work on the earth. How do we do that? With our words, by believing him and asking him to do things. That's why prayer is legal. Legal. That's why Charles Finney said when he, he was a lawyer, then he got saved and was a, a mighty revivalist. He said this, that argumentative praying is the best kind of praying. He, he listened to church because back then in law, they used the Bible more like in, in law and in lawyers. And wouldn't that be nice today? And so he said that, that they would be using the Bible. He says the Christians don't even know what they have. And so, of course, him being argumentative and, and, and bringing a case as a lawyer, he said, that's the best kind of praying. What does that mean? That means you bring the word to, to God, say, Lord, your word says this. He said that he, would, he found himself praying and praying prayers that alarmed himself. He would be in places and say, Lord, you don't think we're not going to have revival here, do you? Why? Because he had, he, he, had, he had been in the presence of God. He had been in the word of God. He said, Lord, you don't think we're not going to have revival here, do you? And of course, you know, the Lord's not, you know, how dare you say that to me? <laughs> of course, 
<laughs> Hallelujah. But it is written. So notice here he says, all these things, so it was a real temptation. He said, I'll give you all these things. Then saith Jesus unto him, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written. How many know that you need to know what it is written again? You don't need to just know once. You need to come back a second time, a third time, as long as it takes. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shalt thou serve. So what was he offering Jesus? He was offering Jesus the glory of, and the, the things of this world. Do you know that in the near future, we're going to see that fulfilled through the Antichrist? Why? Because he's going to take the bait. He's going to say, you know what? I want that. Everything that the devil's offering him is, is what he's going to, he's going to take it. But he's going to be, the Bible calls him the son of perdition. So it is written. Then I, I got two more for you. Look over in Ephesians 4, verse 27. I tell you, and if you, if you only have one of those, because actually all of those are going to fit within that number three, it is written. You know, how do we overcome by the blood? By saying, it is written. What is our testimony? It is written. Ephesians chapter 4. So how do we overcome the devil? Ephesians 4 verse 27. Neither give place to the devil. Look back up above that. It says in verse... Um, the verse above it there, 26. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. So what's he saying? If you, Well, is it a sin to be angry? Let me ask again. Is it a sin to be angry? No. Because he says, be ye angry and sin not. You can be angry, but you control it. Remember Jesus, the Bible says, he came in and, and the Bible says that he saw what was going on in the temple. In the morning, the Bible says he comes back later in the afternoon, led by the Spirit, and he turns those tables over. So he had a righteous indignation. He didn't just, you know, fly off the handle. He still was controlled. And so, I mean, there should be some things that, that make you angry. Wrongdoing. But he says, don't, don't sin, though. Neither give place to the devil. So, you know, if, if you yield to, to anger, you let it go, then what happens? You can yield to the enemy. Neither give place. And then he talks about um, not grieving the Holy Ghost. By, by having words that come out of your mouth that, that are not good to edifying. And what's he say? All that is giving place to the enemy. <clears throat> so how do I overcome the enemy? I don't give him place in my life. 
No, I'm not going to, I'm not watching that. No, I'm not listening to that. No, my ear, you know, with other people, sometimes you have to say, you know what, my ears are not, um, I might have big ears. You tell somebody, say, look, I might have big ears, but they're not slop buckets. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm not just going to listen to that. Amen. Why? Because you can't afford it. You can't afford it. You know, you really have to watch what comes on the inside of you. I, I'm, I'm just reminded of this because I, li- I had to, I, I like using road trips to, to listen to things. And I, I was in my vehicle today and I was listening to um, Brother Hagen tell the story about, um, he was talking about your individual prayer life and how important that is. And he said that um, one of the doctors that was on his case when he was 17 years old, because they told him he had to die, he had an incurable blood disease, um, all these different things. And um, anyway, they're talking to him, and they said, one of the doctors came around and said, um, he said, do you ever read, um, well, back then, like the comics, they called them the funny papers. They called it that when I was younger, too. The funny papers, you know. And say, um, he said, no, sir, don't have time. Well, do you ever read any, um, you know, detective stories? Uh, No, sir, don't have time. Um, Do you ever read, um, like, Western, you know, like, uh, novels and stuff? No, sir, don't have time. And they thought he was going to lose his mind because he's reading the Bible so much. Now, here's somebody that for 24 hours a day, he's bedfast. But what did he say? No, sir, don't have time. Why? Because... When you're on the, on the deathbed, I mean, that's not when you, you sit up and watch as the world turns. Amen. Why? Because you can't afford it. You can't afford it. <clears throat> and, you know, I use that as the word of my testimony when, when the Lord healed me of an incurable blood disease, blood disease kidney disease. I had a, um, and I still have that same iPod, but um, I had that iPod going like 24-7. Why? Because my life depended on it, and I needed to hear it. You know, I didn't listen to the good messages on water baptism. I mean, even though that's good, I didn't listen to the, about who they think the Antichrist is, because we don't know that anyway. Um, <laughs> I didn't waste my time. What did I listen to? Healing, 30 reasons why we know it's God's will to heal. And just, just flood my spirit with it and just listening to, to music that had the word in it, that had healing scriptures. I listened to healing scriptures. I listened to bias stripes. I listened to all these different things. Why? Because that's what I needed. You know, when you're in a life and death situation, there's a lot of stuff that you just let it go. Amen. You, you just, you, you realize what's the most important thing. But neither give place to the devil. And then look over in 1 Peter chapter 5. Let me say this. Nowhere in the New Testament are we told to pray that God the Father or the Lord Jesus Christ would do anything about the devil. We are told to do something. Oh God, rebuke the devil. No, you rebuke the devil. Oh, God, take this, you know. And 
kind of like I heard a minister saying this. He was praying, and it was out of sincerity and about yielding to the Lord. But he said, Lord, come and crucify my flesh. Well, the Lord doesn't crucify my flesh for me. I crucify the flesh. Wouldn't that be nice? Lord, you just crucify the flesh for me so I don't eat that extra pie. Or whatever it is. First Peter 5. And let's look in um, verse 5. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves. Notice God doesn't humble you. You humble yourself. You don't want God to humble you. You want to humble yourself. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God. So what does that mean? When you humble yourself, that means you place yourself under. So here's God. God's here, and you place yourself under him. When you humble yourself to your boss, that means he's here. Even if you don't agree, he's here. You humble yourself. Okay, I'm under them. I'm, I'm answering. That's why the Bible says, salute those that have the rule over you. And he says here, humble yourselves, put yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. See, God's not opposed to you being exalted. God, God wants a, to exalt uh, ministry. Not the, just the person of a minister, but ministry. He wants a church to shine. He wants to exalt that, that church. Why? To be a light. Not to get glory to themselves, but to be a light. Do you know that's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 12 that, that Paul prayed to the Lord and said, Lord, I prayed to the Lord thrice, three times, to take this away from me. Why? Because he said there was a messenger of Satan sent to him to buffet him. You know what that word means? It means blow after blow. Just like, just like this. Uppercuts just all the time. And, and, and um, why? He said, because of the abundance of the revelations. Because of the abundance of the revelations, there was sent unto me a messenger of Satan. Lest I should be exalted. Now, a lot of people take that and they think what they, they, they misinterpret that and say, lest I should be full of pride. But no, it's the same thing as this lest I should be exalted through the abundance of revelations. Because if it was that, then the devil would, would want him to be in pride. What he's saying is this, lest I should be exalted, lest I should be placed up here in this place where people could receive from the ministry, there was sent a messenger of Satan, an angel, the angelos of Satan to buffet me. And what did God say? He says, my grace is sufficient. Not just to put up with it, but to deal with it. Well, you know, Lord, just give me the grace to deal with this and I'll be okay. Lord, just give me the grace and I'll just, I'll put up with it for another 40 years. No, the grace of God comes so you can overcome it. Hallelujah. So he wants that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him. For he cares for you. You know, you, you holding on to cares and worrying is actually you exalting yourself above God. 
Uh, Lord, I'm big enough. I can, I can take those cares. No, he wants every one of them. But look in verse 8. How do we overcome the enemy? Be sober. What does that mean? It means be on your guard. That doesn't mean just, you know, not being drunk. Be, be, be on your guard. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. I always liked how that's worded. Why? Because I decided he may not devour me. Whom he may. You know, I've said this before. I I put a sign on my spirit years ago. It says, no vacancy. Why? I'm full up. I'm filled up with him. And there's no room for demons. There's no room for evil spirits to come in. They just kind of go down the road. Why? There's no room in the inn here. Amen. Full of Holy Ghost. So he says here, seeking, he's walking about seeking whom he may devour. Whom, notice, this is our responsibility. Whom resist half-heartedly in the faith. No, steadfast. Steadfast in the faith. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So what does that mean? That means that you're going going through the same thing. Whatever you are going through, other people have faced it and overcome it. Lord, no one knows the trouble I've seen. It's so hard and no one, not even anybody, has ever faced this. You know, that's what Elijah did. And you know what happened? He lost his ministry. The Bible says that the Lord... After that, he said, okay, go anoint Elisha in your stead. Why? What's a juniper tree? It's a place where where preachers go when they get discouraged. But that's why you have to, the Bible says, encourage yourself in the Lord. So notice this. He says, what do we do when the enemy? We resist him. Resist. Steadfast in the faith. So what, what does resist mean? Does that mean I just open the door? Does that mean I say, come on in? Come on in, devil. You, you just have your way. No. It's I, I stand at the door. No, you're not coming in. You, you can't come. You know, you can control who comes in your house. Let's say try to like crawl through your legs or something, but you open the door. Say, no, no, I, we don't want any. Or no, you're not coming in the house. Or you know if somebody's trying to cause trouble. What do you do? You're resisting. But here's the thing. What are a lot of believers doing? They're waiting for something to appear at their door. It's like years ago, growing up, there was a, my next door neighbor for Halloween. He dressed up as a devil. And I was a little guy, so that kind of freaked me out. You know, I thought, man, the devil's next door here. But you know, a lot of people are waiting for that, aren't they? They're waiting for... Something to come walking and knocking on their door with a pitchfork and horns and saying, I'm the devil and I came to destroy and to kill. No, the, the, the devil's number one ploy is to be anonymous. Like he doesn't even exist. That's what he really wants. So then he can just hide. 
hold high carnival in people's life and just not even be detected. But see, that's the thing, is detecting him. Anything that's discouraging, anything that steals, kills, and destroys, what do you do? In the name of Jesus, I resist this. I command you to go. Amen. (laughs) It's not just volume that does it, but it's conviction. But if you need to, raise your voice. Amen. Hallelujah. And you know, years ago, I, I did this and somebody got offended about it, but I put my Bible, they left the church, but they're not here. I put my Bible on the floor and I stood on it. And I said, I'm standing on God's word. I said, this is just a, a physical representation of what's going on in my heart. Lord, I'm standing on your word. And your word is final authority in my life. So what are you, whatever you have to do, you overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. And you know what you just do? It is written. It is written. You don't even have to say the words it is written. You can just, just speak the word. Just speak the word. Just speak the word. Just speak the word. I neither give place to the enemy. And I resist him steadfast. So what does that do? That's, that's how we overcome the enemy. Amen. And like I said, I'm going to, he's caused me enough trouble, I'm going to make him eat it the rest of, of my life. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, you can stand to your feet tonight. Hallelujah. You know, the enemy, a lot of people don't know, because on the flip side of that, a lot of people think, that they're having to win, win the battle. That they're having to fight the devil to win. But you know, the devil is already defeated. Jesus defeated him for us. But a lot of times, he needs to be reminded. He needs to be reminded that, you know what? You're under my feet. Slewfoot. He's under my feet. Amen. Like, like Miss Gail was talking about writing his name under there. Loser. Don't, don't do like the one person that they, they um, I heard the story, they, this one person was getting married and on the back of the, the shoes, the guy wrote, help me. So whenever he's kneeling at the altar of communion, it said help. Well, how many know you shouldn't be going down the altar, you know, if, if you're saying help? <laughs> A dummy. A dummy would do that. (laughs) Hallelujah. Come on, just lift your hands. Father, we just thank you tonight for the victory that you've given to us. Thank you, Lord, that you've caused us to triumph. Lord, that you always cause us to triumph. Thank you that greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. Lord, may we always know from you in your word that you're a great big God and a little bitty devil. Lord, a little bitty devil who's been whipped, defeated, restricted, brought to naught. Lord, he's been brought to nothing. Lord, that you made a show of him openly. And Lord, that, we, that you triumphed over him in the cross. 
And Lord, that your victory is our victory. <clears throat> thank you, Lord, that resurrection life flows through our inward man. And we just thank you, Father, that we can speak your word with boldness and authority. Lord, that you'll hasten your word to perform it. You'll back it up. You, you will come, Lord, to perform your word. So we put your word first place in our life. And we say, it is written. Hallelujah. And we thank you for the victory this hours. That you're more than enough in every situation. And we give you glory and honor and praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your angels that can't encamp around us tonight. Lord, that, that watch over us. Lord, that even a, a, a thousand will fall at our side. 10,000 at our right hand, but it will not come near us. Lord, that you satisfy us with long life. So, Lord, we know that means you have to protect us for a long time. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.